0: It's a given that the Cardinals are going to make an attempt to acquire pitching this offseason, either through free agency or through trades. And today we're going to focus on the trade side of things with Josh Jacobs from RedbirdRance.com on today's episode of Locked on Cardinals.
1: You are locked on Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hey there Cardinals fans, it's J.D. Hafford and I'm a national radio sports anchor, born and raised in the Lou and a lifetime Cardinals fan, and I'm your host for Locked On Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Follow me on Twitter, X at J.D. Sports Radio and the podcast at L.O. underscore Cardinals. We want to make those of you who make Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day, free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Please like, please subscribe, comment, interact with us. Hit the notification button so you know when new episodes are posted. This is a show serving Cardinal Nation and giving the best fans in baseball. All of the info about the birds on the bat. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 bucks if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com/slash locked on to get started. Welcome, one and all, once again, into another episode of Locked On Cardinals. Uh, how about a nice Warm Locked On Cardinals welcome for our buddy Josh Jacobs from (laughs) RedbirdRance.com and the Newt News Podcast. Uh, He's going to help us break down who he believes are the top targets for the Cardinals via trade this offseason. You guys uh, over at Redbird Ranch, you guys are always updating things as more news comes out. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is your most updated list on uh, who you think the Cardinals should be targeting trade-wise now before we get into that we've got some uh some news and notes to get through here uh first off want to start with the good stuff congratulations to victor scott the second the cardinals outfield prospect named a 2023 minor league rawlings gold glove winner so just when you didn't think he could do anything else he shows off the leather he's got the glove uh another reason fans you know can't wait to go see this guy win and uh if he comes to bush stadium at some point you got the speed you got the defense and if uh you know, if his hitting continues to excel the way it has at each level he's gone to, he tends to get better. Um, he's got to be something, Josh. So, well, uh, we're all kind of looking oh, forward man. to seeing Victor.
1: Yeah, and uh, Baseball America just came out their rankings and they moved him up the Cardinals prospect rankings again. He's their number three prospect now, according to them. He's just behind. Uh, actually, he's above Tink Hens now, which that says a lot um, with how people view him. His bat's viewed as potentially above average now, which means a lot for the kind of speed he has, the gold glove caliber defense he could have. I, there's Derek Gold even was just saying the other day, there's a shot he could be the opening day center fielder in 2024. I would pump the brakes on that. I don't think it'll be that soon. But by July, I think he's probably in St. Louis. And the speed and the defense alone is going to be valuable enough that it doesn't even really matter if his bat's all that good. He'll provide tons of value. So a lot to be excited for with victor scott
0: yeah because when we talk about uh adding some outfield depth if a, a trade is done and you end up moving some of these guys uh yeah. you know we brought up names like kevin kiermeyer and harrison Bader, and if you've already got a victor scott who can fill that role you don't have to go out and spend money on those guys so totally uh just something to think about also the cardinals uh we know that the rule five draft deadline is 6 p.m eastern tonight Uh, The time of this recording, we've got a couple of hours until that happens, but the Cardinals did make some moves, officially added Sim Robertsa and Adam Kloppenstein to the 40-man roster, along with Pedro Páez protecting all three from the Rule 5 draft. Packy Naughton got outrighted to Memphis. Uh, Connor Thomas, who was the Arizona Fall League Pitcher of the Year last year, but he really struggled Mm in 2023. He's been DFA'd. Uh, The the name that stands out to me in this list, and I think it does to you too, is that of Páez, the catcher. Does that mean anything to you considering that the Cardinals have that guy named Ivan Herrera? You got a Kizder. You've got Wilson Contreras already on the 40. You're going to have a fourth catcher on there now. What do you think about that, Josh?
1: Yeah, it's been well noted ever since the news came out that Pajes, it's uh, it's not totally surprising he got added, but in some ways it is because it's kind of doubtful a team would have acquired him because there's probably very little shot he would have stuck out the entire year on a major league roster. So I think this just says a lot about the Cardinals feel about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, the first two names, like you said, that come to mind is what does this mean for the future of either Andrew Kisner or Ivan Herrera? Because historically, the Cardinals and most clubs don't carry four catchers on their 40-man roster. Obviously, the Cardinals did that weird Trace Barrera stuff last year, but that had more to do with uh, Wilson Contreras as a primary catcher. But it seems like they're committing to it for 2024. So I think there's a chance you see Andrew Kisner DFA'd or traded at some point this offseason. I don't know how high I put those chances at. And then even lower on the scale, you could see Ivan Herrera abused as a trade piece. I just don't see them moving him. I think he holds too much long-term value. is yeah. a great backup, but you don't really think he's going to be here past 2025 at the latest. But Ivan Herrera could be the guy who helps bridge the gap as Contreras is slowly phasing out of the catcher role and going more to a DH role at the end of his contract. But Paez is just known a lot for his defense. He's really developed a back there behind the plate. The Cardinals love him for that. He's in double-A. Probably means he starts the year in triple-A next year. Um, I doubt that means he's going to have an impact on the 2024 roster, but I do think that means one of Kisner or Herrera is probably off the roster come spring training.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I thought, too, that there's – the Cardinals might be planning for some movement there at the catcher position uh, behind Contreras. So uh, interesting, very interesting. Uh, Also uh, a name that popped up in a report recently from John Heyman was that uh, former Cubs pitcher, Marcus Stroman, who opted out of his final year with the Cubs, which caught me a little off guard because he was set to make 21 million, but Heyman agreed with the idea. He was like, you know, he could get a multi-year deal here uh, because the market is going to be, you know, so tough for people yeah. trying to get all these pictures. Everybody wants one. Uh, so Heyman reported that the Cardinals are connected to him. And I talked about this in yesterday's <laughs> episode. And I would say eh, 90% of the feedback was negative on Strowman. Uh, Many of the fans have want nothing to do with him. What are your thoughts on the Heyman report that the Cardinals could be connected to him?
1: Yeah, I, we talked about this a little pre-show. At this point, it's like the Cardinals connected to X pitcher. Of course they are, because they need all the pitching in the world. So they're gonna they're gonna turn every stone possible, talk to every agent, talk to every pitcher available, and see what's out there. Because if Stroman's market fizzles, he might have bet on. He probably made the right bet hitting free agency because there's such a desperate need but there is a lot of pitching out there. So maybe Stroman gets less money per year than he would want or less years. And so maybe he puts himself in the Cardinals market. But if we're talking like who their targets are, I don't think he's even in the top five. I think he's like plan F plan G in case all these other things fall through and his market becomes available, but they're they're going to be interested in every starting pitcher available. Uh, historically, they haven't been interested in the past in stroman when he has been available. Maybe that's changed since his stint with the Cubs. I kind of doubt it, but it seems more of like a hey, we're going to keep checking in in case we need to go that direction. But they've got their eyes set on bigger fish,
0: which uh, we're going to talk about here in a bit. Uh, we are not going to focus on the free agent guys today, we're actually switching over to talking about guys that the Cardinals should be targeting in a trade because um, with the competition for all of these top of the market guys, the guys, the Nolas, the Yamamoto's, the Blake Snell's, and uh, even Sonny Gray, these guys, the competition for these guys is going to be fierce. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of big market teams that are probably going to outbid what the Cardinals are willing to spend for some of these guys. So it's starting to seem more to me that the trade market is where they might need to be going to, yeah. Uh, more than the free agent market when trying to acquire a top-of-the-line pitcher. They could still go in free agency and get some of these guys like a Walker, a Lugo and stuff, which are good complementary pieces. But as far as going for you know, one of those aces, you know, I, I think maybe their best bet to get one is going through the trade market. So you recently put out an article listing your top targets for the Cardinals, and uh, we're going to run down that list here in just a moment on Locked on Cardinals. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 bucks if your team wins. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, really no better time to get in on the action here. The app is easy to use. They got a wide range of betting options, which include the spreads, the player props, which is always a lot of fun. Over-unders, whole bunch more available on the FanDuel app. Uh Monday Night Football, the Buffalo Bills let me down big time on Monday, and it was so bad that they fired their OC on Tuesday. Uh, But we've got a new slate of games ready to roll beginning on Thursday when the Cincinnati Bengals, who got upset at home by the Texans, uh, go to Baltimore to battle the Ravens, who just blew that big lead against the Cleveland Browns at home on Sunday and loss. So both teams are going to try to try to get their act together and right the ship a little bit on a short week. FanDuel currently has the Ravens favored by three and a half. Uh, the Ravens already beat the Bengals in Cincinnati in week two, 27-24. So it's hard for me to not go with the Ravens in this one, especially with the Bengals dealing with so many injuries on the defensive side of the ball and offensive. They've had some uh, wide receiver injuries that they're going through. So I would lean toward the Ravens, but it's up to you. You visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Kick off the NFL season with FanDuel the official partner of the NFL. Once again, thank you for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day. Leave your comments for us on YouTube as well as on Twitter X. Anytime you want feedback, always welcome and encouraged. You can follow Josh. Uh, He's got his Twitter there on the YouTube. But if uh, you're listening to it on the podcast version, Josh, J-A-C-O, J-A-C-O, MLB is uh, where you can find his tweets at. You can find me at JD Sports Radio. Uh, Josh coming to us from redbirdrants.com and the Newton News Podcast. Uh, recent article, you put out a bunch of them all the time. A lot of you guys do at uh, redbirdrants.com. So if you're ever in the need for some, some reading about the Cardinals, they got you covered there. But you recently posted uh, your top trade targets for yeah. the Cardinals. Now you've got eight of them listed in the article, but due to time constraints here, uh, we're going to focus on those top five. So if you guys want the other three, you got to click on the link, which I've got in the description for you and in the show notes to uh, read the whole article. And then trust me, you're going to end up going down the rabbit hole of Cardinal rumors and stuff at the (laughs) website. It's really a lot of fun. So uh, go check it out for yourself. All right, let's get into it. Number five, you've got a name that is starting to pop up more frequently, and that is former all-star and former first round pick Alec Manoa, from the toronto blue jays uh why would alec be a good target coming off what was a very strange season for him in toronto
1: yeah it all started with ben nicholson smith over a sportsnet who's widely regarded for his um following of the blue jays and he's great writer over there and he put together different uh trade scenarios for the Blue Jays and he started with Dylan Carlson and Alec Manoa and it kind of came out of left field it seemed like it was more speculative than anything else but then Derek Gould followed it up with the Cardinals um and the Blue Jays are two teams that you're expected to talk again this offseason and that the Blue Jays are interested in Dylan Carlson and that a name to look out for is Alec Manoa. so there was more smoke there And then Robert Murray, who's our uh, insider over at fan side is also hearing that. So it's just like, okay, there's three different entities, one connected to the Cardinals, one connected to the Blue Jays and one national that are linking them to Alec Manoa. Obviously, if you followed Manoa last year, uh, it was about as bad of a season as it possibly could have gone for him. He got sent all the way down to the instructional league at one point but he's a guy that was top three in Cy Young voting just a year ago and arguably is one of, was one of the most valuable young assets in all of baseball. So to think about buying low on an Alec Manoa couldn't make a lot of sense for the Cardinals, especially if it's a guy like Dylan Carlson, who even though he wasn't ever like an all-star like Alec Manoa was, he was a top 20 prospect in baseball. So you two, you swap two assets that neither team really needs anymore but has the potential to be more obviously Alec Manoa cannot be number one or number two of the starters that the Cardinals bring in this off season. But if he's like the guy fit fighting for the fifth or fourth starter spot, that is a guy who you would hope would at least be good enough to be the number five. Like if he's not good enough to be that, that's I mean, that's quite the fall he's made. Um, but then he has the potential to be an ace type pitcher, but in the cost to acquire him is going to be very low. He's still pre arbitration. So you're not paying him a lot of dollars either. I see this fit making a lot of sense for St. Louis. But again, this is not Alec Manoa is the opening day starter in 2024. This is Alec Manoa is at the back of the rotation with Miles Michaelis and Steven Match trying to revive his career.
0: Yeah, it was something when I saw too, I was like, if I told you before the season started last year that you could swap Carlson for Manoa, you would trip over yourself to hit the yes, I accept that trade. and. Now you things have changed a little bit, and you know, Toronto's talking about him as like their fifth starter, which is wild because going yeah. into last season, he was their ace. He was ahead of Gossman at at yep. the beginning of the season. And for him to fall the way he did, and for the slider to disappear the way it did, um do we all have belief that Dusty Blake and company can fix an Alec Manoa? I mean, when Dave Duncan was in St. Louis, I think you would say absolutely now. <laughs> I don't know how f- people feel about it. Uh, I think a lot of people are skeptical if he could do it or not, but how do we know we have until you give him a chance? So uh, yep. we'll see. We'll see. But uh, yeah, upside huge there uh, if you can turn him around. In at four, uh, Seattle Mariners' Logan Gilbert, uh, a name that – we've been talking about since the trade deadline last year. So uh, what do you think about Logan Gilbert? Is it realistic? Because everything we hear from the Mariners seems like they're like, "Eh, we're not trading this guy. Wait, what the hell?
1: Yeah, it's hard to tell. I mean, like, what are the the Mariners aren't going to come out and say, oh, Logan Gilbert could be had for whatever you want. Like, they're going to try and drive a hard bargain, and they should. Mm -hmm. Like, Fangraph's uh, middle of the season put out their top 40 assets and all, or top 50 assets in all baseball, and Logan Gilbert was, like, number 36. Like – Pre-arbitration has the stuff of potentially a number two, number one starter long term. Has already shown the ability to have uh, put up a lot of innings. So he's durable. I, I am. I'm also a little bit skeptical that they would actually move him. But when you look at their pitching depth, uh, they have George Kirby, Luis Castillo, Robbie Ray, Bryce Miller, Brian Wu, Emerson Hancock, Marcos Gonzalez. So like they have plenty of pitching now. Every team in baseball wants to have that much pitching. So it it feels a little weird to give up from a strength like that, but they would do so knowing that they could probably get Nolan Gorman and other pieces for him, or they could get Brendan Donovan and Tommy Edmund and other pieces for him. Like he's not going to come cheap. He'll be by far the most expensive pitcher to acquire on the trade market this year, which is why I personally wouldn't dive into those waters because I I think he has the upside of a one or a number two, and that's what you have to pay for to get him, but I just don't think he's going to be a true ace in 2024. You're paying for that control, which is awesome. 2025, 2026, you're going to love it, but you're also now down on Nolan Gorman, or you're down Brendan Donovan, Antin Kent, and all these other pieces. Like, I just don't love the idea of Logan Gilbert because of the price point, but I do think there's a scenario where the Cardinals block at the pitching market and say, hey, we would like the control as well, They have some concerns about Nolan Gorman's back long term. So maybe they think, hey, we cash in at his value now and get a stud. Um, But if I were them, I would be. I think there's plenty of other pitching targets on the trade market that will cost a lot less and have similar talent. That's the direction I would go.
0: And uh, I also read a report, and I don't know how true it is or not, but that Blake Snell, Mm -hmm. who's from the Washington area, you know, from the state there. would be interested in coming to Seattle uh, oh, wow. as a free agent, and if you pair him up with Luis Castillo, that makes you know everybody goes down a rung and in their in their depth there, and maybe Seattle is more apt to make a move. If that happens, we don't know if it will be. They don't need to go get a Blake Snell, but I mean, yeah. the idea of them two together has got to be you got to be salivating at that if if you're the Seattle Mariners to have that one, two punch at the top of your rotation. So uh, we'll wait and see. We'll see what, uh, what, what comes to fruition there with the Mariners who uh, there's also rumors that they might be in the Otani market. That's been floated out there as well. So we don't really know what Seattle's doing just yet, but uh, we'll find out. It'll get, we'll get there. Uh, How about this one? There's, here's a guy that in at number three on your list which again you guys can uh, read at redbirdrants.com i got the link in the description here um Shane Bieber now Shane Bieber a couple of years ago during the covid season obviously had that dominant year uh was the triple crown winner as a as a pitcher and uh since then he's been really good but he's not a guy that i've totally been in love with like i just i, just, I don't know what it is it's just a personal preference yeah. thing here where i'm just kind of like eh. I don't know if I I want him at what he might cost. But he is obviously a, a target that should be looked at by the Cardinals. And you've got him in at number three. What can you tell us about Bieber and why would the Cardinals go after someone like him?
1: Yeah. And obviously I would say with any of these names and any free agent, it all is relative of the cost too. Like if you told me you can get Aaron Nola at five years, 25 million, sign me up. But if it's seven years, 30 million, that's a different conversation. I think Shane Bieber is the same way where I think we still have this perception that he's going to cost Nolan Gorman or Brendan Donovan, like that he's just that kind of pitcher that requires that. But I think you're looking at like a Tyler O'Neill swap. You're looking at Dylan Carlson in a pitching prospect. Like, I, again, maybe his market gets out of whack and someone overpays for him. But when you look at his value at this point, not many people in baseball are talking about Bieber like he's a frontline starter anymore. And the ones who are, it's kind of like a lazy take of like, oh, here's a former Cy Young. But his stuff has just declined. He was down to 7.5 strikeouts per nine last year, which was down in the eights last year. And he was in Cy Young consideration. So like, he's he's learning how to pitch without being a 12-plus strikeout per nine guy that he could have been in the past but it's still concerning and he's going to come in around $12 million next year. So it's not cheap to have him on the roster, which is part of the reason the guardians are going to want to move off of him. Also capitalize on value. So assuming his market is more in the Alec Burleson, Dylan Carlson or Tyler O'Neill is like the centerpiece plus maybe a little bit more. I think that's an excellent like value play because I wouldn't feel great about him as my number two starter, but I don't hate the idea of it. It's not like the worst thing in the world. I would love him as a number three starter. And I think there's a scenario where they could sign Sonny Gray. They could trade for Shane Bieber, and then they could trade for Dylan cease or whoever else and get that ace. I think you could fit him in if you're creative as a number three or a low end number two option. But again, if it, if it does require like a top prospect or Nolan Gorman or something then I'm completely out, like, Tainting out the phone. No, thank you. I'm out of Shane Bieber.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's true. Like if, if the, if the return is only something like an O'Neill and, you know, a lower pitching prospect of some sort, like maybe even like a McGreevy, something we're yeah. in that vicinity. Yeah. I think you signed me up on that one. I, yeah. I just, it just, I, I think maybe I'm under the uh, assumption as well that he's worth more that Cleveland's going to ask more than maybe what, he's worth these days and um you know maybe that's the case maybe it's not maybe they're like you know what we're ready to move on too so it's a possibility Mm -hmm. but yeah if it's if it's something like O'Neal then yeah give it to me
1: (laughs) I think what could play in the Cardinals favor in this is that it's a super weak free agent market with the hitters that like you may have to overpay to get a pitcher but then on the free agent market there's not many teams that can offer better bats than the cardinals have so i think if the guardians are like give me nolan gorman they're like uh thank you but i'm gonna go after dylan cease instead yes. or i'm gonna go after logan gilbert instead and i think other teams are gonna do the same thing which should bring Bieber's price down i would be genuinely shocked if anyone paid that much in draft or a uh, trade capital to get a chain Bieber. but crazy things happen sometimes so who knows
0: yeah. All right. Well, uh, those are your five, four, and three, the top two we are set to unveil from uh, Josh Jacobs list at dot We'll do that next for you on locked on Cardinals. Once again, thank you guys for joining us here on locked on Cardinals, your feedback, always welcome and encouraged. We want to hear from you and get your thoughts on what's going on with the Cardinals. What you think about, the idea of the front office going in this direction or that direction. How about all of these rumors? You know, don't be shy. Uh, We all have an opinion, and uh, none of us are wrong or right at this moment. We don't know what's going to happen, but uh, hit us up on YouTube, hit us up on Twitter, X, and uh, let us know where you stand on things. Once again, Josh Jacobs from RedbirdRance.com and the Newton News Podcast joining us here. We are up to his top two trade targets for the St. Louis Cardinals this offseason. In at number two, my personal favorite guy that I want them to go after, my personal trade target uh, favorite one, is, and it probably has something to do with his mustache because I just <laughs> respect it. And that would be Dylan Cease from the Chicago White Sox. Uh, what can you tell us about Dylan Cease, the latest rumors, and uh, why why the target should be Dylan Cease for the Cardinals?
1: Yeah, um, let's start with like the pros, right? Like Dylan Cease is, he's coming two years ago, is a top two Cy Young candidate and was dominant. 2023, the actual numbers didn't come out very well, but his stuff was in the same vicinity. Like it graded out about the same, seemed like it was a mixture of bad defense behind him, getting unlucky. Maybe he just wasn't pitching as well with his great stuff as he was the year before, but it's not like he saw a decline in his strikeouts or that he just like looked bad. It just it just was weird. It was a weird year for him. And if there's, ever, if you're on the white Sox, I don't really blame anyone for it being that weird of a year. Like if Dylan Seeves was on the Cardinals last year, I wouldn't have been surprised if he had a bad year. Cause it just felt like everything that could go wrong would go wrong. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that eats innings too. And I think that matters. Like you're, you're not just paying for the fact that he should be a number one starter and the quality of the pitches that he's going to give you, but he also should give you 180 innings, which is really important and then you're talking about having a guy under club control through the 2025 seasons. So you're paying him about eight and a half million dollars this year. Probably get him in the 13 to 14 million dollar range next year, which is a bargain for a player of his caliber. You could potentially work an extension over the next two seasons as well to keep him around long term. Now, the price is going to be high. I would say Logan Gilbert is the like pinnacle of the trade market right now. And Dylan Cease is like a couple runs below him. Where you're talking like Nolan Gorman, like I would say at most, it's Nolan Gorman and a few small pieces. I think you could probably bank on a Brendan Donovan plus other pieces kind of package, like Tink Hens and a few others. Um, I have. Uh, I was talking to Jeff Jones of the Bellevue News Democrat on Sunday on the New News podcast, and we we're talking about this idea of Dylan Cease a little bit. And something to keep an eye on the White Sox is that Jerry Reinsdorf is just such an odd owner where he's likely not going to want to like blow it up all the way. So if he's like selling a guy like Dylan Caesar greenlighting it, he probably wants some major league talent in return to keep the team at least somewhat competitive plus prospects. Sure. So I doubt like I've seen people say Tommy Edmond, and for a long time I was like, there's no way that he could be like one of the main pieces of package. But if you're giving Tommy Edmund and then Tinkens or Taco Roby, like one of those pitching prospects and then like an Alec Burleson, like, there's a chance the White Sox look at it as, okay, we get a good piece for 2024 and 2025 in Edmond, We get a couple of really good long-term pieces as well. It keeps us somewhat competitive now, but we also can build for the future. Let's cash in on it. Again, I would think it's Brendan Donovan or Nolan Gorman plus other things, but I think it's, it's the price you have to pay to get a guy of his caliber with his control. I think the Cardinals should be looking at it, especially if they end up pri- getting priced out of the NOLA, uh, Blake Snell, Yamamoto category still in cease is probably the only other pitcher available in that category that has control and doesn't have the injury concerns like the number one target would
0: yeah uh, and you've heard their new gm chris Getz say some things about i don't like this roster and i yep. <laughs> i sounds like a guy who's ready for some turnover and wants <clears> his <throat> own dudes in there and that could be something that plays into a positive for the Cardinals as well, where they're like, Oh yeah, you want to, you want to, what if we gave you like four or five dudes and you can redo mm-hmm. your whole thing there. And uh, maybe you can also, cause there's another guy that you had at the end of your targets uh, from the White Sox as well in this yeah. article. That's another guy that, People I think would be familiar with, you want to go read the article, but uh, he could be a piece that maybe that's part of it that comes back along with Dylan Cease in this trade. So uh, just something to think about. Um, Obviously that would be a massive deal for both sides. Uh, It would take a lot to get it, but you know, the the Cardinals, what I keep saying about people is like, when they're like, I don't want to trade this guy, this guy, and this guy, Gorman is the one that on my list where I really don't want to get rid of him. but pretty much anybody else, We've lost with them. It's okay. Maybe it's time to move on from certain guys and uh, see what else we can do here. Uh, You had that team together for the last two years, and what have we won? Nothing. Nothing in the playoffs. So um, maybe it's time to move on from some of these things and try a different way. So um, coming in at number one, a guy who, when he's on the mound (laughs) – If you're not watching, Josh is praying to the heavens above. Uh, Uh, When he's on the mound and he's healthy, he's one of the nastiest pitchers on the planet. Yep, Injuries have been an issue for him. Coming in at number one on your trade target list for the Cardinals is the Tampa Bay Rays, Tyler Glasnow. You, and I described it yesterday, Josh has been pounding the table for Tyler Glasnow that he is the guy that the Cardinals should go after, despite, because the argument is... He's always hurt. He's got no control years. These are all valid reasons to not go after him. Why should you look past that and go after glass? Now,
1: let me, let's just start with worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. He, I mean, he's obviously you can miss an entire year with an injury, but like every starting pitcher can have that injury. So like, To say he's the more susceptible to Tommy John, I just like, okay, Aaron Nola could come into spring training and tear his UCL. Like, that could happen.
0: Joe Hilton, he's on his second one. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, like, I'm not
1: as concerned. It's the, like, nagging shoulder stuff or the random, like, like missing 20 starts of the season type stuff that frustrates me. If he only gives you 15 to 20 starts, but he's available in October, okay, I got 15 to 20 starts from one of the best pitchers in all of baseball to add to my rotation – and I have one of the most feared pitchers on the mound in October, instead of Miles Michaelis on the mound, instead of whoever else on the mound. And I didn't give up Nolan Gorman. I didn't give up Brendan Donovan. I didn't give up Large Newpar. I didn't give up my top prospects. I gave up Alec bertelson and Gordon Gracefo. Like I think that's the strongest the package you have to get, or like Tommy Edmond. So I think the cost to acquire Tyler Glass now and what the actual risk there is, I think it's just again, if if you were asking me, should we sign Tyler glass now for five years, 25 million a year. That's a whole different question right now. That's a lot of risk built in, but if you're getting him at one year, you might be able to get the raise to eat a little bit of money. If they want to get a lot in return again, I think they would rather just get off the whole salary, which probably means you're not, they're not getting like anything in return for him. And this isn't a like Matthew libertor situation. Like they're clearly moving off of him because of the money, not because, Oh, we don't think he's a good enough starter. You look at how he graded out last year. He was top seven in stuff plus. So that's like to measure a guy's like fastball, curveball, slider, all of his stuff. Like he had top seven stuff in baseball. He was first in XFIP, second in Sierra and K percentage, uh, second in K the ball percentage, third in FIP, seventh in batting average allowed. Like those are elite numbers. And you're telling me you can get him for Alec Burleson or Tom Yemen? Give it to me. I want him. And then again, like – if it doesn't work out, like, okay, it also could not work out with any other starter, but I'm not handing out a six year, $30 million a year contract to them. And I'm not giving up Nolan Gorman to get him either. So I just think the price to acquire here, it just makes way too much sense in my opinion. Now, again, I don't think he can be the only top starter you acquire. You also need to get someone else to be dependable in case Glassnow goes down, in case that other guy goes down, you need Glassnow there to help with it. So I just again I just think the the price point matters here. If you were telling me you had to give him a mega contract, you're telling me you had to give up large new bar to get it done. I'm out. But the price to acquire here is just too good. And man, imagine that kind of strikeout stuff in St. Louis. Like, come on, give me Tyler Glass now.
0: And another thing that you brought up in your article was that um at the end of the season you throw him a qualifying offer he accepts okay if he doesn't you're getting a draft pick back which is something that teams value very greatly these days you know and uh it's, it's one of the reasons why some of these free agent guys that are out there some teams might be a little hesitant to go in because of the fact that they're gonna have to give up one of those big draft picks so um that is something that you would have in your corner if you're the cardinals where if things go a little bit different, you, you can still, you can get out from under it and get something in return, you know? Yes. So uh, that, that's a plus as well. So um, I like glass now as well. I'm also somebody who is like, look, if you if you can go into the season with a, a glass now, and then you can sign a gray and get like a Lugo, like, wow. Like you're, you're setting yourself up nicely. I even went the other mile. I was like, let's pretend that we can sign a Blake Snell and get a glass now. And then you just go to or somebody as your, as your third guy, somebody on the very cheap. Uh I didn't go as far as Lance Lynn, but I went down there. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I was like, even then think about that for a moment. I was like, these are some of the options that could happen. Realistically, would something like that happen? Probably not, but we'll see. We'll see yeah. what happens.
1: And I, I just think know. it, It's interesting because like you come into this off season and what's been the complaint about the Cardinals pitching for so long is they just don't have dominant guys. They don't have a guy you feel confident in going up in game one of the NLDS NLCS against someone else. Now, obviously there are free agents available like that, but then I can't even find, I can't find anyone that universally loves any pitcher other than Yamamoto. There's people who don't like Noel. There's people who don't like Snell. There's people who don't like Montgomery X, Y, and Z. Again, I just think the price to acquire here, it makes too much sense. And if the Cardinals were going to go one way or the other, get a bunch of safer options or to like go big or go home, go big or go home. Because at least you try to put together a team that can win the World Series because you have a glass now, a snell at the top of your rotation, rather than, well, we got Eduardo Rodriguez, Seth Lugo, Michael Waka. Let's make it work. I'm like, okay, NL Central, that should work. But then when you go up against the Dodgers or the Braves in the playoffs,
0: good luck. Yeah, and you get swept again. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) I'm
1: signing up for the risk. I want it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and it's at at this point of the tenure with with Mo and company where get a little risky now. You you, you played it safe last year and things really went south on you. A little bit of risk, it it wouldn't hurt you. And it would excite a fan base. You know, Mo brings up the fact that, well, we got to put butts back in seats this year because that's how we're going to pay for things. You're not going to do it by getting, you know, Strowman and Luger. That's not going to work. You know, you make a a bold move and that will get people excited again. Say, okay, we'll trust you again. Let's get to that. So a lot of great stuff.
1: If we're like, you give Blake Snell five years, $30 million a year, and he blows out his elbow in spring training. Oh man. Imagine how, like that is worst case scenario. Trading for glass now and giving up whatever you have to give up, which is not a lot. He blows out his elbow in May okay, like it's frustrating, but they can move on. You can't move on from giving a guy almost $200 million a year and they're now yeah. a liability. So imagine being, under here. The,
0: imagine being the Yankees under the Rodon. Exactly. Were, right. Where last year that's who I was looking at. I was like, oh, I kind of like him or whatever. If that had happened, now they're stuck with him for six exactly. more years and who knows if he's going to be healthy ever again. Like It's kind of a mess where this is giving you – and it's something that the Cardinals have been good at over the years is – two, three-year contract kind of guys, they're usually pretty good at. It's when they try to extend a little bit is when things (laughs) get a little wonky for them. But, uh, you know, that's why a guy like a gray or trading for a cease, those just make a lot of sense because in two, three years – they can move on if that's where they need to do it. So, um, you know, it's a lot to think about. RedbirdRance.com, that's where you go to get all of the articles Josh puts out there and the great crew uh, over there. Check them out on the Newton News Podcast as well. And uh, as always, buddy, I appreciate you joining us here and uh, having a little chat about Cardinal Baseball.
1: I appreciate it. It's always fun to hop on with you guys.
0: Thank you guys for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen every day. If you haven't already, please give us both a follow on Twitter and uh, make sure you like, subscribe on YouTube, help our channel and love for the Cardinals grow. You guys are the best fans in baseball for a reason. We'll see you next time on Locked on Cardinals.